guys. Welcome back to the Allergic to Race podcast. I'm Victoria. And I'm Whitney. We're so glad you joined in to listen today. Uh, today's episode, we're going to be talking about Leviticus chapters 23 through 24. But to pick up where we left off last week, let's quickly recap what we saw in 21 and 22. So on the last episode, we discussed God's directions to the priest regarding his holy things. Uh, we learned uh, how the priests were to sanctify themselves when it came to mourning. We learned what physically made them ineligible to become the high priest and entering the holy place. And we learned what an anim- what made an animal worthy of sacrifice and what made an animal unworthy of sacrifice. Yep. Do you like another sacrifice? No, that one has a mutilated face. <laughs> I don't want a mutilated sacrifice. <laughs> It needs its balls. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it did, in fact, need its testicles in order to be sacrificed. It did. It did. So. I'm not picking my nose. I was fixing my nose ring. Yes, it did. Anyway, so today's episode, we're kind of pivoting. Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> Pivot. Pivot. We're pivoting and we're going to be talking about the feasts of the Lord. As well as some of the holy things and um, events that have transpired mm-hmm. within this time frame. Yep. And some clarifications of a few things. So Without let's further jump ado, right into it. Jump Chapter 23, in. talking about the feasts of the Lord. We're going to go through about... Oh, gosh, I don't know how many. I didn't count. Eight. Seven. No, nine. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Just kidding. We're going to go through eight. Okay. <laughs> eight feasts of the Lord. So these are all like events that have to take place that God has commanded the Israeli people to participate in. Okay. Um, some of them we've actually already touched on quite yes. heavily. So we're not going to really dive into those as much. Too deeply. As the other ones. But we're going to go through and talk about them individually. The first one is the Sabbath. So the Sabbath was a weekly day of rest. It happened on the seventh day. So in the ancient Israelite time, that was a Saturday. Yes. Rather than it was. a Sunday. So it was like Friday evening. Friday evening through, through Saturday, Saturday evening. evening. Um, and it was a solemn day of rest. They weren't supposed to do anything. They weren't supposed to do any ordinary work. They weren't even supposed to go out and gather their manna for the day, remember? Mm-hmm. Because Yeah, God they were gave supposed to extra. gather enough the day before. Exactly. So um, it's a, a Sabbath observance, and that's in keeping with the creation account, where God created heaven and earth and everything in it within six days, and then he mm-hmm. rested on mm-hmm. the seventh. Um, I have a few things from Got Questions and During Word and the Bible Project. <laughs> Do it to it, my friend. So um, Got Questions says... Setting aside a day of the week to focus on worship is undeniably biblical, although we are to worship God every day, not just the one day per week. And ultimately, Jesus is our Sabbath rest. So Mm -hmm. for Christians nowadays, the Sabbath is not necessarily a mandated practice. We are to take a day of rest and gather in fellowship and worship with our fellow Christians. That is biblically founded, and you can find that in the rest yeah. of the new testament say, like it's everywhere yeah um but it's not something that we have to specifically participate in on a specific day at the specific time you can and can't do these specific things like that's what was the parameters for the israelites mm-hmm. it's not what's the parameters for us um we have rest in knowing that we don't have to work to save ourselves mm-hmm. but our salvation is accomplished in jesus christ so mm-hmm. when we say that jesus is our sabbath rest that is the rest we are talking about yeah because they had to work not, not really, but they had to not work to do yeah. their things. Yes. Um, as in like sacrificing every single day, keeping up with the laws and like all that mm-hmm. mess, which we still have to do, but we are saved through the, our salvation in Jesus Christ. Correct. Okay. So Bible Project actually had something interesting that I didn't touch on when we talked about the Sabbath. I don't think I did anyway. If I did, I can get this whole part out. It says, there are two main Hebrew words used for rest in the Bible. The first is Shabbat which gets particularly translated into the English word Sabbath. So the word simply means to stop working. Okay. Okay. The other main Hebrew word used for rest in the Hebrew scriptures is nukah. I'm saying that wrong. It's N-U-A-K-H. Okay. Okay. This means to dwell or settle. 
Okay. It says, God introduces the idea of Shabbat and Nakah right around the same time in scripture in the creation account. God works for six days creating the world and he rests on the seventh. After six days of bringing order to chaos, he takes the time to Shabbat from his work. Only a few verses later, we read that God creates humans and then ultimately rests them or settles them, Nakah, with him in the garden. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. So the whole of the biblical story seems to emphasize the purpose of the Sabbath rather than the specific rules for observing it. Yes. So it's our day to rest and settle with God. I like that. Boom. No homophones. (laughs) Yeah. Like we have. So there's no like, there's no like Christian Sabbath. Like it's not a thing. That's that. And that's exactly why. Because I remember we talked about this before briefly is why don't we observe the sabbath anymore yeah which is i mean you hit the nail on the head that was pretty much the only note i have for this was that because our sabbath is met through jesus christ what he did on the cross exactly i think this was bible project it says the sabbath rest is an invitation to practice for eternity in god's presence it's an act of regular and intentional trust of god's rule on earth we shabbat in order to nakah when we stop working we can truly rest in god's presence when we practice this purposeful pause, we make room for God to take up the residence in our individual lives and communities. And when we do this, we take part in the new creation story, setting the stage for God to make his dwelling place once again on earth. It's great. Boom. I like that. Sabbath. Also, throughout these chapters, you're going to hear holy convocations a lot. And so I think it's good to preface what holy convocations are. Do you know what holy convocations are? I was are? waiting for you to tell me. Were you? Do yes. you know what they are at all? <laughs> no. Okay. So I was looking, when I was going through my notes and reading and, and doing all this stuff for this episode today, I was like, holy convocations, you know, they're appointed feasts to the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall, you know, dwell, whatever. Holy convocations, days for your assembling together to my worship and service in a special manner. Okay. So it's, so it's basically, yeah, I was going to say set apart fellowship day. Yes. Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. And so like the holy convocations are, are days where you're supposed to be gathering, where the Israelites were supposed to be gathering with other Israelites to mm-hmm. worship God. Yeah. Um, when they settled the temple in Jerusalem, the surrounding areas would travel to Jerusalem yeah, to do to these come. holy convocations mm-hmm. and like gather together yeah, to worship. Big, yeah. It's a big thing. Big deal. Yeah. Big deal. So anyway, just thought yes. I'd preface that. Okay. So excluding the Sabbath which is weekly, every single Sunday, Saturday, Sunday, whatever. Yeah. Um, there are seven feasts to the Lord. Okay. Okay. The first one is the Passover. Yeah. Which is in verses... Four, four through eight? Yeah, four through eight. It says... These are the appointed feasts of the Lord, the holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at the time appointed for them. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at twilight, is the Lord's Passover. And on the 15th day of the same month is the feast of unleavened bread to the Lord. For seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall have a holy convocation. You shall do no ordinary work. But you shall present a food offering to the Lord for seven days. On the seventh day is a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. So, we have two things in that. We have the Passover, Mm -hmm. which... Let's talk about the Passover. We talked about the Passover way back in Exodus, Exodus 12, yeah. um, which was the first official Passover. That was um, the 10th plague God put down upon the Egyptians, Egyptians which was killing of the firstborn. Mm-hmm. And the Passover was that the Israelites had to kill a lamb, mm-hmm. right? And put the blood on the, the top and the sides of the door. door. Yeah. Um, so that literally the angel of death mm-hmm. would pass over them and Correct. not kill their Anybody firstborn. in their home. Yeah. So um, this command actually comes prior to the celebration of the first Passover event, which occurs in numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, so God is giving them this and in, these instructions well in advance, <laughs> saying that you're going to celebrate this. Yeah. In a, in a couple of months. Okay? Yes. So it's celebrated on the 14th day of the first month, which is a bib. If yes, we remember, remember way back when we talked about the Jewish calendar, Dates and things. Um, which is March, April on today's calendar, what we know as our calendar, um, and is celebrated as Easter. Well, we, we'll get to it when we get to the New Testament. But Jesus was, wasn't he, didn't he die on Passover? That's why they went back or that's where he was where he was, I believe. Yeah, because they were celebrating Passover. Yeah. yeah. And we all know that Jesus is clearly identified as our Passover lamb, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> we're just Yes. We're just saying that. So the Passover, I think 
Is there anything else to talk about Passover? I think I just had one thing to say. It was something that um, the pastor in that series that I was watching from the Calvary Chapel in Ontario. Yeah. Is that he said, you know, we specifically talked about, you know, putting the blood of the lamb over the doors, you know, and that was for the first Passover. And we very much so even like we don't practice Passover, like celebrating Passover, Passover, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But we pretty much do every day because we are we shelter under the blood of the lamb much like the israelites did for the first passover we shelter under the blood of the lamb the lamb in our sense is jesus Jesus. yeah so i mean that makes a lot of sense great point yes we do shelter under the lamb of god Mm -hmm. (laughs) but the reason why christians today don't necessarily have a whole separate celebration for passover is because we're not we weren't Jewish. We weren't the Israelite people. We weren't literally spared from the 10th death. Well, right, right. But we don't because we don't. There's no need for us. There's to. no need. There's exactly. no need for us to because have Jesus not come yet might be a whole different story. Exactly. But because Jesus came, met that basically met that. And it's really interesting too. in a few of these, you know, I was able to find like why we don't do these things anymore, yeah. like the Sabbath and like this. And that's because. Jesus is sacrificed because, I mean, when they and we say and like you hear that Jesus is the ultimate sacrifice, like he's quite literally Mm -hmm. the ultimate sacrifice because he met all of these things for us and that we do meet them through in his blood. Yes. Through him, you know? Yeah. And it's it's also kind of crazy to me, you know, the fact that practicing Jewish people now still practice the Passover. Yes. They still celebrate the Passover. Yeah. And, and a lot still, of these feasts, they still do. They still celebrate the Feast of Unloving Bread. They, mm-hmm. do, they do all of these things, basically, um, now, which because they believe that the Messiah has yet to come. Correct. Which, hmm. anyway. We've addressed previously. <laughs> Anyway, Anyway. (laughs) so the Feast of Unleavened Bread, uh, we talked about extensively on when we We talked about the Passover um, in Exodus. Basically, you're supposed to eat all bread without leaven, and that's supposed to signify sin and how a little drop of sin can um, invade and and spread throughout an entire loaf of bread and make it all this big... Completely different. Puffy deliciousness, but whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so they're not supposed to eat leaven. Unleavened bread is still a carb. It is. Correct? Oh, okay. It is. <laughs> it is. Anyway. Anyway. So unleavened bread, it's actually kind of like a non. Was manna a carb? Like, we talked about this. Did we? I don't yeah, remember. Because remember, we they came out and they collected it as like grain almost. It was oh, like yeah, a grain type. Was and then they had to carb. make it into cakes yeah. okay. and like whatever. Remember? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so anyway. the Feast of Unleavened Bread went on from the 15th day to the 21st day of the month. A bib. Mm-hmm. So it went on directly following the Passover. So the Passover celebrated on the 14th and the Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrated the 15th through the 21st. Um, so the first feast to the Lord and the second feast to the Lord are done in the same exact week. Mm-hmm. We have a day and then we have seven days. Correct. So the first and the seventh day, you're supposed to do no ordinary work for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Okay. Which the Passover doesn't say you're not supposed to do any work. It does not. So you're supposed to celebrate it. Yeah. Are they supposed to kill a lamb? I think so. I think we talked about the details of the Passover whenever we did. And you have to eat, you know, Mm -hmm. so much of it or whatever. And if it's too much, you split it with another family and you eat it with your shoes on. And like, it's very symbolic. Oh, they're supposed to eat everything. And like, yeah, I remember we went through all that. Yes. 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 And like a boy is supposed to read the the Exodus accounts and like all that. Yeah. Yeah. I remember this now. You're jogging my memory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so the celebration of Passover and unleavened bread marks, I think this is from Enduring Word, marks the commencement of Israel's national existence. Thus, it corresponds to the celebration of Independence Day in the United States. Makes sense. Apparently, because that's when they were liberated from yep, Egypt. It makes sense. Um, and they were supposed to gather in sacred assemblies. So on the day of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, they're supposed to be in gathering and holy convocations. They're supposed mm-hmm. to be together celebrating all of it yeah and then on the first and seventh day of the feast of unloving bread they're not supposed to do any work that's all i really have for that okay do you have anything else i do not great so the feast of the first fruits is the third of the seven feasts to the lord mm-hmm. um it is in verses 9 through 14 it says and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to the people of israel and say to them when you come into the land that i give you and reap its harvest you shall bring the sheaf 
of the first fruits of your harvest to the priest, and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord so that you may be accepted. On the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And on the day when you wave the sheaf, you shall offer a male lamb a year old without blemish as a burnt offering to the Lord. And the grain offering with it shall be two tenths of an afah. And a fine flour mixed with oil, a food offering to the Lord with a pleasing aroma. And the drink offering with it shall be of wine, a fourth of a hen. And you shall eat neither bread nor grain, parched or fresh, until this same day, until you have brought the offering of your God. It is a statute forever throughout your generations and all your dwellings. So the Feast of the First Fruit is also called the Feast of Harvest. Mm -hmm. It is celebrated on the 16th day of Abib. Yeah. Which is the day following the Passover Sabbath. Yes. So we have the Passover, the Feast of Unliving Bread, and the Feast of the First Fruits all occurring in the same exact week. Yes. Kind of convenient if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Because even when they established a temple in Jerusalem, people from all over had to trek yeah. all the way up to the so temple. So it would all be... So it would all be one rather big trip. Than trekking back and forth and yeah. back and forth, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So this, the Feast of the First Fruits was only supposed to happen after entering into the Promised Land. Which makes sense. Yeah. Um, If you don't know what a sheaf is, it's like in this day, it would be barley, which would come first in the spring um, as like the first of harvest would be like the first crop that would become available Mm -hmm. to harvest. So it would be a bundle of barley, Mm -hmm. kind of like a... A sheaf, a sheaf. Like, a, really like you see the ex- pictures of it. It's like a like a big a bundle. bundle, and then it's like tied, tied together, together. Yeah, basically. Yeah, pretty it's, much. Whatever you're picturing, that's exactly it. Like <laughs> I'm sure you see them everywhere right now with fall decorations and things. Yes. but with corn husks. Yes, it's corn husks. Yep. So they would take the sheaf of the first fruit. So they would harvest the first that was ready to be harvested of yeah. their barley. Not necessarily everything, because you know, as in agriculture things get or different time there's different seasons exactly so they'll probably they rotate on how they would plant so they'd plant you know some of them at the beginning of the week some in the middle of the week and some at the end of the week so they don't come all whatever Mm -hmm. what am i trying to say ripe thank you yeah they don't come ripe at the same time yeah oh yes i knew exactly so they take the first of the harvest the first barley that would become available to harvest Mm -hmm. they take it and they take it to the temple to give to the priest. Yeah. And then the priest would wave it to God saying, hey, here thank it is. You thank you for this. And then it would be the priest's portion to take. To yeah. take. Um, along with that, they would also have to have a food and drink offering made mm-hmm. as well as a burnt offering with, mm-hmm. what is it, a lamb? A lamb, did it say? Mm-hmm. A lamb a or male, yeah, yeah. a male lamb, a year old, as a burnt offering. So the actual meat itself was completely burned that didn't go to the priest but the the food offering and the drink offering as well as the barley sheaths did did yeah so like, here's my thing with all of the ones that we're going to be talking about a lot of these are offerings like they had to actually travel to the temple to offer their their harvest offerings basically mm-hmm. to the temple and and as a thanksgiving to god <laughs> was it just farming families that did this i would assume not i mean because because if you e- were a like priest, everybody went. Say, for example, you were a priest and you did not have a harvest to harvest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you were given though. I know, but like, would you? Would you? You wouldn't have a would first you offer harvest. What was given to you? Because like, that's, that's a really good question. I mean, I would imagine because like what they were most mostly agricultural people. Like yes. most of them farmed. But for those who were not. But what if the what what if you were just a shepherd? Like what if you just had animals? You didn't have any crops or anything like that. Um I don't know. Without fail, this stupid I squirrel. I told you every time. <laughs> I look for him. It's watch is probably a different squirrel every time. It's fine. Um I don't know. That's a really good question because like too, you know that we're always supposed to give the first and best of whatever we have. Yeah. But so, even, in the, even in the account of Cain and Abel, they were both like agricultural workers. They both had, yeah, they were but both one, farmers. But one was livestock and the other was like. Yeah. But this is crops. specifically talking about crops. I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe like, cause you know, we talked about like, we've talked about in the past, like tithing and stuff like you might not grow the barley, but you would still, I'm sure, purchase or trade for barley. Yeah. Would you not take a portion of what you got to give back to God because it was the first of what you got? You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. 
Because then why would why would a certain group of people have to offer and to sacrifice, but not another? You know what I mean? I get it. Yeah. So like, why wouldn't you take a tenth of what you have to give? You know, because technically that would be their first fruits. Yes, but it w- would it be like a first fruits, like a of harvest? So like the people who came and gave their first fruits of harvest, they had more yet to come back home that they were probably going to harvest and sell or feed their family with. And they they weren't allowed to eat any of it until they went and actually did, did that. I don't know. Or maybe too, is that where the tithing comes? This is that you know, because like I also I also I like to think that. I also like to think back to the like the provisions that they had for the poor. Mm-hmm. And we'll even get to it in this. Yeah. It says, you know, don't do, do so the whole, like yeah. maybe the poor also had to go and take what they could and then they would have to bring Yeah. Or like you know? my thought is too is like, you know, we were talking about, you know, the whole tithing and like giving whatever. Maybe because if they're selling their like if they're sacrificing, or I'm sorry, not sacrificing. If they're offering yeah. their first harvest, mm-hmm. and they can't, they're not going to sell until their second harvest. Which means probably somebody else can't purchase any until yeah. whoever's second harvest. Yeah, maybe that's just wherein then, you know, the people, the non-farming people, or the non-agricultural people, would offer based on what they had you know what i mean not necessarily a first fruits harvest or first fruits offering but an offering of the first that they like like their first purchase of barley for the whatever and took it but i'd honestly have no idea i don't know i searched it and i couldn't really find anything because it's such a specific question it is because (laughs) then you would think like okay well what about like the perfumers or like exactly the what do they have what would because you would think that there would be they would probably just to me first fruits is the first of what you have yeah but i don't know yeah see i my thought process is is that this celebration of first fruits was just for the agricultural farmers i mean that makes sense and you know maybe some of them didn't have animals so that they had to go and purchase an animal from a different person to take with them as the bird sacrifice and like it was included in that but like I feel like in in and this could is all conjecture so I have absolutely no idea. Mm-hmm. But like in ancient societies, you would have groups of people who would be multiple different families who would band together to make, you know, farming happen because they yeah. would have like a large amount of things would be, they would have yes, a large amount of work. Exactly. So in my my opinion, I would say, okay, well, this farming community, all of the males went harvested what they their first harvest. They went and did the stuff, and then they come back, and it's kind of like, okay, we've done this. We can sell to other people now, and what they yeah. do with it is yeah. what they do with it. That makes sense to me, but I don't know. But then, too, where does the offering then? And then maybe that's where, and we, I just don't remember because we talked about it. And I mean, I think maybe the other people, they don't go necessarily on this trek because it was a specific day of the year that they were supposed to go. Yeah. And they probably just offer the best or whatever of what they have. Because remember offering at the temple. Yes. Remember too. Yeah. Because remember too, the um, offerings and the sacrifices and stuff that we talked about, I feel like forever ago. Yeah. Like anybody could do. So maybe they, maybe the people who were not farmers yeah just participated in and those like a things. thanksgiving offering yeah yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah that's what i think too now but that you say that there, i have no idea right there's no there's, no there's nothing um ligonier ministries said uh, the offering of the first harvest mm-hmm. said it, this required a great deal of faith on the part of the israelites as they would be giving up the offering of first fruits at a time when not much was ready to be harvested they had to trust god that he would indeed provide the fullness of grain that had yet to come forth something that from a human perspective, was far from certain given the people's utter dependence on the right amount of rainfall and so forth to give the best crop. Yeah. yeah. But they had to trek all the way up to the temple, even after it was established in Jerusalem. Yeah. So like the whole, remember when we were going over the sermon series at church, the songs of the road? The songs mm-hmm. of yeah, the road? that's exactly, that's exactly what yeah, they were doing. Yeah. And it clicked for me. Just yeah. Now. And remember when Jesus stayed at the temple, Mary and Joseph, they were on, they were literally on their way home and realized uh, yeah. he's not with us and they had to turn around <laughs> to go and get him <laughs> yeah yep okay so that was the third of the feasts mm-hmm. of the lord sorry yeah. <laughs> just yeah. brain fart all right they were all done in the spring we have passover um week of unlo- what is it the feast of unloving bread yeah 
I was like, you're saying it. And yep. the Feast of the First Fruits. Now we're moving on to the Feast of Weeks, yep. which is verses 15 through 22 mm-hmm. of chapter 23. It says, You shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall present a grain offering of new grain to the Lord. You shall bring from your dwelling places two loaves of bread to be waved, made of two tenths of an afa. They shall be a fine flour, and they shall be baked with leaven as first fruits to the Lord. And you shall present, wow, and you shall present with the bread seven lambs a year without blemish, and one bull from the herd, and two rams. They shall be a burnt offering to the Lord, with their grain offering and their drink offerings, a food offering with a pleasing aroma to the Lord. And you shall offer one male goat for a sin offering, and two male lambs as a a year old as a sacrifice of peace offerings. And the priest shall wave them with the bread of the first fruits as a wave offering before the Lord with the two lambs. They shall be holy to the Lord for the priest. And you shall make a pro- proclamation on the same day. You shall hold a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work. It is a statue forever in all of your dwelling places throughout your generations. And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Okay. Woo. So we have the Feast of Weeks, also called the Feast of Ingathering, yeah. also called the Pentecost. Pentecost. So the Pentecost actually comes from the Greek word meaning 50th day. Yes. Interesting. But the Pentecost is also talked about in the New Testament, too, mm-hmm. because this also all happens right after the Passover. Yeah, it's all like one big Yep, one thing. big thing. It's it's 50 days from the Feast of the First Fruits. So they're supposed to bring a lot of things. So they bring two loaves of bread as a wave offering, seven lambs, one bull, two rams as a burnt offering, a male goat as a sin offering, and two male lambs as a sin as a peace slash wave offering. With the burnt offerings, they're also supposed to bring grain and drink offerings with them as well. So can you imagine these people traveling it's with like, all these animals it's like a giant it's got to be like a what do they call it a giant uh cluster yeah or caravan a caravan has to be or like a you what is that called oh, they use the term in the army i think when it's like i don't know is it caravan anyway like a i'm sure they're all marching. i'm sure they're all traveling together the jews come marching too but <laughs> but seriously so um i think this was enduring word it says seven weeks after the feast of first fruits the israelites celebrated the feast of weeks one of the three solemn feasts that required all jewish males to travel to jerusalem what's interesting about these three major feasts which we're going to talk about the last one here in a minute um that each of these required the first fruits quote unquote first fruits to be offered at the temple but for different crops the feast of tabernacles which is the feast of booths Mm -hmm. involved offering the first of the olive and grape harvests the feast of weeks involved offering the first of the wheat wheat Wheat. harvest Mm -hmm. and the feast of first fruits specifically involved offering the first of the barley harvests Mm -hmm. so i remember reading that somewhere that's the feast of weeks i think it's called the feast of weeks because you're supposed to wait seven weeks yeah i guess i don't know these kids are never going back to school how much school they would have to miss they didn't have school (laughs) i was a joke you were a joke I said it was a joke. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So yeah. It's basically the same thing as the, as the first fruits, except they bring bread as the product yeah, of their, their first, first harvest. Yeah. And then they also bring a lot of animals with them. Yeah. A lot. A lot of Which makes me also think that the farmers didn't participate in every single one of these. Like, you couldn't grow barley and wheat and also olives and grapes. It would be whatever you grew. Exactly. It would be whatever your crop was. So, like, say you were a barley farmer and I was a wheat farmer. You exactly. know what I mean? And yeah. I would know, go with the first fruits at the end of Passover yeah. or the next day after Passover. Yes. And then you would go seven weeks from it. Yes, exactly. So. It wouldn't be like, yeah. The Feast of Booths is way later. But yeah. Still. Yes, but then also in this one, remember the poor, which we've talked about, I think, quite extensively. Yeah, not, I don't know about extensively, favorites. but detailed. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. The fifth feast of the Lord is the Feast of Trumpets or 
Rosh Hashanah. Wash, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. <laughs> I wanted to say it because I thought it was fun to say. Uh, yeah. Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah. This is actually um, all of these, I feel like, except for maybe the first fruits are like, I know, I know for a fact Rosh Hashanah is still participated in now. Yes, it is. It's like basically, it's yeah. And maybe you're going to touch on this, but it's basically like celebration of like the new year. Yeah. Is what yeah, it is. it's the Jewish new year. Um, it's on the first of the seventh month, which is uh, Tashiri. No, hold on. Tashiri? Tashiri? I'm not saying that right. Sounds fine to me. But it's about September time in our secular calendar, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, it is the Jewish New Year that leads up to Yom Kippur, which is the Day of Atonement. Mm-hmm. Um, Rosh Hashanah literally means the head of the year. Um, it's not used in the Bible to discuss this holiday necessarily. It's called the Feast of Trumpets because they blow a horn that's called a shofar. It's okay. a ram's horn mm-hmm. um, that is supposed to be like instituting the holiday you're supposed to be you know remembering the past year and like what you've done and how you could have been better and like it's days of reflection really leading up to the day of atonement sounds like work um yeah i mean it's not nothing that they they do really to earn whatever but like the day of atonement it's basically saying okay i have an accumulation of all these things that i've done wrong and then we have the day of atonement yeah so it's like a remembrance of that yeah yeah that's what i have it's the proclaiming of the next month which includes some of the most holy days within the israel or jewish community including the day of atonement and the trumpet is doing the announcing like hear you hear you i sent you what this what the horn i saw that it took forever for it to load for some reason i think my phone was being silly but oh my god there's like a couple of different there's a couple of different like actual beats that they have to learn how to or notes that they have to learn how to do. Do you have to audition for this? I don't or? know. I, I don't know. In order to be, um, what are they? What are you? Whenever are you a priest? Are you a Jewish priest? I are have you? No idea. Do you, is that a requirement? A yes. Rabbi. Is that a requirement? I don't know. Or <laughs> I don't know. Can the Pope play that thing? <laughs> I don't think he would. I mean. Okay. Hmm. So from the Jewish virtual library. It says, Judaism has several different New Year's, quote-unquote New Year's, a concept which many may seem strange at first, but think of it um, this way. The American New Year starts in January, but the new school year starts in September, uh-huh. which is actually in August, uh-huh. and many businesses have fiscal years that start at various times in the year. Uh-huh. In Judaism, Nisan 1 is the new year for the purpose of counting the reign of kings and months on the calendar. Elu one in august is the new year for the tithing of animals shivat 15 in february is a new year for trees determining when first fruits can be eaten and tashiri one Hana is the new year for for years when we increase the number sabbatical and jubilee years begin at this time so like that's when they it's, reset their calendar okay. basically and that that's when they like click up the number of that's why the number of years that have passed is different different yeah i mean it's like me whenever i say like oh the beginning of the year to me because i have a child who's in school the beginning of the year to me is when that was when they go to school the like school August, year september yeah. not so much january which is when culturally we say is the beginning of the new year yeah like, it's like the first month of the year and sometimes too you know you have like i don't know the chinese new year is different is different or like you said different fiscal years like too it may go from whatever month like i don't know june to june or and they're all different they don't mean the same thing throughout companies Mm -hmm. (laughs) makes no sense yeah or these new years they all don't they're all different they're all different yes um so the actual verse that talks about the feast of trumpets and it's called the feast of trumpets because they have this shafar yeah they blow this thing this horn Mm -hmm. it says and the lord spoke to moses saying speak to the people of israel saying in the seventh month on the first day of the month you shall observe a day of solemn rest a memorial proclaimed with this with blasts of trumpets a holy convocation you shall not do any ordinary work you shall present a food offering to the lord blow the horn uh basically it's saying i like that it says solemn rest too because of the next feast that they're going to do it's kind of like you said the days or whatever leading up to the jews have or whatever leading up to it's like very like serious like days of awe is what i read it's days of awe slash reflection yeah days of wow you really suck yeah basically Mm -hmm. is how i would view it yeah because you need to kill something 
Shotun Pearson. The reason that where that this is about to be murdered is because the reason they murdered Jesus is you. Is me. Yep. Which is why I feel like we have like Palm Sunday and like mm-hmm. the reflections and like all that stuff around yeah. Easter. So mm-hmm. anyway. Yeah. Moving on. The Day of Atonement. Number six in the seventh feast to the Lord, we have the Day of Atonement or Yom Kippur. Yes. It falls on the tenth day of the seven months. Seventh month. The tenth day of the seventh month. Mm-hmm. Um, of Tashiri, which is September-ish time for us. We've talked about the Day of Atonement quite extensively, multiple lot. times. We know what it is. Um, do you want to say anything else? I mean, I don't really have anything. Actually, Afflict hold yourselves. on. Let me see. What's that? Afflict yourselves. Yeah. So. Who, for whoever is not afflicted on that day shall be cut off from his people. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. Remember him so this earlier. is basically the day when this is just, I guess, a thought that I had. The day when Jesus poured out his own lifeblood on the mercy seat. Yes. Except we're not in the New Testament yet, so... No, but... This is the day the high priest goes in and kills a sin offering for himself and the people. Mm -hmm. Separately, but Mm -hmm. together. Yeah. And then he gets naked and bathes. (laughs) Yep. Sure does. Are we going to read this section? I don't think we need to. Okay, I want to just point out specifically in here the one verse, I believe you kind of already said it, 30, and whoever does any work on that very day, the person I will destroy from among his people... Mm Um, you shall not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. It shall be to you a Sabbath of solemn rest and you shall afflict yourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like this. So again, that lecture series or that Bible study series that I've been watching from the Calvary Chapel in Ontario, it's on YouTube. You can look them up. Um, he started like when he started before he even got into like speaking about the word in the bible and stuff he started talking about how you know when if you ask somebody on the street you know like how do you get to heaven chances are they're gonna say like oh you're just you be a good person like you do good things and like as christians we know that that's not how you get to heaven it's good to do those things but it's not how you get to heaven you cannot earn your salvation through works and i couldn't figure out for the life of me i'm like why did he start that like this like that didn't make sense to me and then we got down to this section where he said and this is basically in these verses in the old testament we're already hearing god telling us like you're not going to get to heaven by works Mm -hmm. like that's not how how it works so Mm -hmm. it tells us not by works and then in 32 he tells us we can rest and we know now you know then you could rest in the fact that this is a god's telling you this is a guaranteed day of atonement that's where your salvation came in is was by the faith and believing that god because god said your sins are atoned for by the giving of this innocent blood yes you're good yep your salvation came in your faith to believe in that not by your actions not by the actions and that you could rest in that and we know now you know that in verse 30 they're talking about you know through jesus Mm -hmm. is how you get to heaven and then in 32 we also find our rest in him i just thought that was really interesting how he brought that into play and how he was able to see that because in reading that i never would have pulled that out of there but anyway no me either I mean, but at the same time, I feel like we have, we've been conditioned to know, I mean, at least I have from a very young age that it's not works that gets right, salvation. But not everybody knows not everybody that. Knows but not that. everybody knows that. Yeah. That so in not- reading this, I knew like preemptively, I already knew that that's not how it was. So that's yeah. not what like jumped right, out Right. Exactly. Me. That's not what would have stuck point. out to me. Yeah. So. Good, good point. So we have next the seventh of the feasts to the lord is the feast of booths yes (laughs) or the feast of tabernacles as some people of some translations say are you ready to hear what it's called or the whatever now do you know how to say it no i don't have a thing (laughs) oh i just have that it's also called i don't know if it's modernly called this now by the jewish people or if it was then sakoth sakoth yes I've read that somewhere. (laughs) Sakoth, yeah. So it comes on the 15th day of the seventh month. So Mm -hmm. the first, what, like four-ish? The Mm -hmm. Passover, the Feast of Unloving Bread, the Feast of First Fruits, and the the Feast of Weeks all come within like the first like springtime period, all within the first couple of days of each other. Okay. And then we have 
the Feast of Weeks, no, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Booths all fall within the same month, basically. I was going to say, it's all in the month, same month, isn't it? All in the same month of themselves. It's in the fall. The fall time. Fall. Fall. (laughs) So it's the 15th day of the seventh month. It Mm -hmm. began and ended with days of rest. Um, We have seven days to present offerings to God, a week of rejoicing. Uh, Let's read it. I think it is... 33 through 36. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the people of Israel saying on the 15th day of this seventh month. And for seven days, it is the feast of booths to the Lord. On the first day shall be a holy convocation. You shall not do any ordinary work for seven days. You shall present food offerings to the Lord. On the eighth day, you shall hold a holy convocation and present a food offering to the Lord. It is a solemn assembly. You shall not do any ordinary work. So if we keep reading down 37 through 38, is kind of like a like a general overview and then it goes back into what the feast of booths is in 39 right here let me read 37 it says these are not appoint these are the appointed feast of the lord which you shall oh, proclaim yeah. as times of holy convocation for presenting to the lord food offerings burnt offerings and grain offerings sacrifices and drink offerings on each its proper day besides the lord's sabbath and besides your gifts and besides all your vow offerings and besides all your free will offerings which you give to the lord and then it goes back in talking about the feast of booths on the 15th day of the seventh month When you have gathered in the produce of the land, you shall celebrate the feast of the Lord seven days. On the first day, you shall have a solemn rest, and on the eighth day shall be a solemn rest. And you shall take on the first day of the fruit of splendid trees, branches of palm trees, and balls of leafy trees, and willows of the brook. And you shall rejoice before your Lord, the Lord your God, seven days. You shall celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. It is a statute forever throughout your generations. You shall celebrate in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All native Israelites shall dwell in booths. That is, your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Thus Moses declared to the people of Israel the appointed feasts of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Woo. Mm-hmm. So the Israelites were made to camp out in shelters made with branches of palm trees and the bows, balls, boughs, whatever, of leafy trees. So yeah. the, the booths, the tents, yeah. their tents. The be- it was tents. So I have yeah, booths equals tents. It says during, I think this is from Enduring Word, during the years of the Exodus, they lived this way all the time because they had to. When they eventually came into the promised land, they lived this way for a week to remind them of their hardships in those years and God's good provision in the wilderness. Yeah. Um, although not specifically stated in the text, we should assume that the branches from these trees would be used for making of wooden booths. Booths were erected in their, in their cities or towns, either in their streets or gardens or the tops of their houses, which were made flat and therefore were proper and fit for that use. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, I think Enduring Words said that. Yeah. So we have the Feast of Booths and that's where they bring, I think, um, like the olives and the, First fruits of harvest yeah. of that time period for for the fall time period. Yeah. So Bible.tv says these feasts generally follow the agricultural calendar of that time, but God combined these with spiritual elements that gave opportunity to give prayer and thanks for abundant harvests, as well as recognize their unique status as God's holy people. Other nations had various religious feasts tied to the agricultural cycle, but no one else had a day of atonement or a pass all. Passover. <laughs> a Passover acknowledging God's actual personal involvement in a nation's life. Yep. And that was 23. Yeah. I don't really have anything else. Me either. I don't that. have anything for 23. That was a lot further. of things. But a, a lot, lot of, of things. A lot of those things are still celebrated today. Yes. I'm pretty sure they are. Yes. Some, if not all. Yeah. By the Jewish community, not necessarily everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't celebrate any of them and had absolutely no idea except Correct. for the Day of Atonement. Right? Sorry. Same. Sabbath. We knew Sabbath. Oh, yeah. We knew what Sabbath was. And we but... knew Passover. Passover, Sabbath, and the Day of Atonement was really But it. we don't practice those. And I remember learning about Not the really. Feast of Booths. I didn't. I don't remember it. But that's it. Because I remember booths being as in booth as in tent as in that's what they used to live in. Yeah. I don't remember any But of all these other ones like the Feast of Trumpets, Feast of Weeks... And first fruits, I don't remember learning about that one, but it makes sense. I didn't know it was a festival. I just thought it was something we did. It was just an offering or a sacrifice or whatever. Yeah. I didn't think that there was a special, but it makes sense that there is. So Total sense. Right. So chapter 24, we are pivoting yet again. Pivot. 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 
to talking about the lamps and the bread for the tabernacle. Correct. So, do you want to read or um about the oil? Yeah, do you think we should? Sure. We Go ahead. Okay. Let me bring it up. It's easier for me to read it off my phone. Hold on. Okay. So, 24-1. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Command the people of Israel to bring to you pure oil from beaten olives for the lamp, that a light may be kept burning regularly. Outside the veil of the testimony, in the... In the tent of meeting, Aaron shall arrange it from evening to morning before the Lord regularly. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. He shall arrange the lamps on the lampstand of pure gold before the Lord regularly. That word's really hard to say. That's why I kept saying it like that. Regularly. Regularly. Yes. Basically. We already know this. Yeah. I just have that. When they say regularly, they mean ongoing. As in like this light, and like you said, we talked about this, I think, in detail in Exodus. In Exodus. Like mm-hmm. this lamp should not ever go out. No. And I think the the placement of the lamps and the bread after these feasts. So we have all of these annual things that the Israelites were supposed to be participating in. Yeah. And then we kind of have a reminder of what the daily activities Correct. were of the tabernacle and what the high priest and the priests were responsible yeah. for doing on a on daily basis. basis. I'm surprised that the one, the daily sacrifice isn't in here. Remember? Oh yeah. So yeah, that's why this is here. But, um, Oil was to be provided by the Israelite people mm-hmm. to the high priest so that they could keep the lampstand continuously burning. burning because it was the only light that was in the tabernacle mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. And of course, God doesn't want his dwelling place to be Correct. darkness. Mm-hmm. So, or the absence of light. Correct. Anyway, bread for the tabernacle. Do we have anything else for the lampstand? I don't have anything else for the lampstand. Nothing that we haven't already talked about. Yeah. In a sense, what it represents and. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Pure gold it was made out of. A lot of the stuff was pure gold. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere. It has to be. Anyway. Or melted down or yeah. one of the... We can get all kinds of theories into all kinds of theories oh, yeah, whenever we, we get into like the different wars and battles uh-huh. and things. Yep. Especially with the destruction of the temple. Mm-hmm. Like we already know that it's in... It's... The lampstand is inscribed on that thing in Rome. Remember that big... Yeah, the, there's like a picture of it thing. or whatever. Yeah. yeah, from where like I think it was the Romans mm-hmm. came in or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, and took everything. Yep. It's there. Yep. So we know it existed. We sure do. The bread. bread for the tabernacle. Yes. You shall take fine flour and bake twelve loaves from it. Two tenths of an ephah shall be in each loaf, and you shall set them in two piles, six in a pile, on the table of pure gold before the lord you shall put pure frankincense on each pile that it may go with the bread as a memorial portion as a food offering to the lord every sabbath day aaron shall arrange it before the lord regularly it is from the people it is from the people of israel as a covenant forever and it shall be for aaron and his sons and they shall eat it in a holy place since it is for him a most holy portion out of the lord's food offerings a perpetual due yeah so we have the 12 breads (laughs) for the 12 tribes of israel yeah they're like they're like non they're like they're flat yeah they're not loaves loaves. as we know it says loaves as we know what loaves are is that what a loaf was then? I think so. Okay. A lot of things that I read. Oh, you yeah, remember? Because like you couldn't put leaven in it. Yeah. Oh, yep. That makes sense. I'm hungry for non bread now. Anyway, what do you think frankincense tasted like? I don't know. It's not a like root a, herb. Like I said, it was forever ago. It's do you think like it's a like a spice? Oh. Remember? It's like a rock. I'm pretty sure it's like a rock. And how do they. And you shall put pure frankincense on each pile. Is it kind of like himalayan salt you gotta like grate it i think so hold on makes sense how do they do that out of here they're called frankincense tears let me see how do they okay so they just like sprinkle it on there maybe 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 right ancient ancient israel maybe put i'm gonna try frankincense and bread images yeah i'm it's popping up with all these rocks it kind of looks like yeah, they like sprinkled it over it. It says, yeah, that's exactly what this is showing. That's like sprinkled over it. What do you think it tasted like though? What? Faulty. Does frankincense was chewed, turned soft 
and sticky like bubble gums and gives off its orange lime taste throughout all while you reap its health benefits the sheer plethora of healing and psychoactive effects packed into oh, oh. psychoactive effects <laughs> the priests were just eating bread and getting high great i love that Okay. Yeah, it looks like they just like sprinkled it over it. Yeah, honestly, it's fine. It looks like hunks of earwax. Honestly, yeah, it really does. Okay. <laughs> so, do you think that the priests were the ones that made the bread? It sounded like it was supposed to come already made. You think so? But I honestly don't know. I think it was the grain offerings that were made by the oh, people, and then they made it, and into they made bread. the bread. That makes that would make sense too. And then the high priest was the only one that was able to go in there and put and it on, put it on, in on there. the table. Yeah. So we go from having like yearly feasts to daily things with the lamp. And the and this oil. is a weekly thing. And then this is a weekly thing. Yeah. Yep. And now we have kind of like a random little insert bit, little tidbit here, little tidbit. <laughs> That's actually kind of fun. It is. Well, not for the person, but still. No, it's not. It's a change of pace from the last few episodes. Yeah. So we have a little bit of a story here Mm -hmm. that goes into kind of what the Israelites had to deal with on a day to day basis, Mm -hmm. given the fact that all of this stuff is fairly new to them and they didn't know how to really, you know, they had to consult God a lot on how they should be carrying out certain things when certain things would happen and it's not written and they could not discern it for themselves. So, in verses 10 through, what, 16? Yes. Okay. It's little, like, subheading is punishment for blasphemy. It says, Now an Israelite woman's son, whose father was an Egyptian, went out among the people of Israel. And the Israelite woman's son and a man of Israel fought in the camp. And the Israelite woman's son blasphemed the name and cursed. Then they brought him to Moses. His mother's name was... Shalomith? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shalom. Anyway, Shalomith, mm-hmm. the daughter of Debris. That's, yeah. Of the tribe of Dan. Mm-hmm. And they put him in custody till the will of the Lord should be clear to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, bring out, bring out of the camp the one who cursed and let all who heard him lay their hands on his head and let all the congregation stone him. And he's. Sp- And speak to the people of Israel, saying, Whoever curses his God shall bear his sin. Whoever blasphemies the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. All the congregation shall stone him. The sojourner, as well as the native, when he blasphemies the name, shall be put to death. So, Um, I think I saw something from Enduring Word. It was um, another commentary who wrote about Jewish legends regarding this specific instance. Okay. It says, they say he was the son of the Egyptian who Moses slew and that attempting to pitch his tent among those of the tribe of Dan, to which he belonged by his mother's side, he was prevented by a person of that tribe as having no right to a station among them who were true Israelites by both father and mother. In consequence of this, they say he blasphemed the name of the Lord. Interesting. But I also feel like that Israelite should also be in trouble. He instigated it. But yeah. at the same time, this I'm person- sure that guy, he was not going in with an innocent heart. No. Mm-mm. I said, it's a man committed the crime of blasphemy, which is to attack someone, especially God, with your words. Yeah. I have. It is somewhat oh. like the modern idea of verbal abuse, but especially directed against God. Hmm. Mm. So, <laughs> blasphemy, I have this thing. I'm just going to try to make sense of it. Okay, so for blasphemy, the punishment was death, right? Yep. And so saying something blasphemous would be like, this is the exact instance that they, well, not the exact instance, but this rule, this law was what they pulled out against Jesus and tried to say that he was doing because he was saying, I am the son of God. Yeah, Mm -hmm. he's saying like, I'm the son of God. Like, it's me. I'm the son of man. Like, they're saying like, you can't dude you can't say that like no you're not you're blaspheming his name and so and i think you brought this up briefly several episodes it goes it says they believed you couldn't blaspheme god if you didn't say his name at all as in the jewish people yep. so they went to great lengths not to say it and like you had said only the high priest was allowed to say god's name and he was only allowed to say it once a year and then he would pass the pronunciation of god's name down to whoever was next in line to become the high priest on his literal deathbed. And that's why to this day, there's so much confusion in regards to how God's actual name 
is yeah it was lost yeah mm-hmm. and also too like when we see in here in verse what is that first 11 and the israelite woman's son blasphemed the name yep like they wouldn't even write god's name because they were afraid that like if the paper somehow were destroyed or like crumpled up um that that would be blaspheming his name and that's why oftentimes too like when we're reading it we see it written the lord that's what they used in place of his name yeah Mm -hmm. and on a lot of the the jewish websites that i go and look at this is a thousand percent true they write g dash d like capital g it's because of that i have like that whole thing i think this is from enduring word maybe says many religiously observant jewish people also would not write the name of god because that paper could be destroyed it might be considered blasphemy or taking the name of the lord in vain so they would write lord instead of yahweh instead Mm -hmm. of god they were write g dash d they would refer to god with names like the name instead Mm -hmm. of saying god yeah 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 so they didn't think you could blaspheme blaspheme his name if you didn't say it we all know now you definitely can yeah you can you absolutely but like can. i don't understand like, what he would have said like what constitutes blasphemy like obviously you don't want to like say those things but like i really want to know because i don't want to do it <laughs> right and i think if you don't i think this goes with the whole intentional versus unintentional thing yeah like if you unintentionally do it and it's made aware to you it's you know? to attack someone especially god with your words modern idea of verbal abuse i don't know it says it's this is from enduring word it seems that it was common for egyptians to curse their many gods the root of this man's sin was that he considered the god of israel to be the same as the petty egyptian gods oh yeah i think i read that somewhere mm-hmm. like he just oh. acted out of his nature here so here are some ex- i just typed in what are some examples of blasphemy um spitting on a cross drawing pictures and it says this says in a quran probably like something inappropriate or whatever and all of these things are rude in general but because they combine a sacred religious person or thing with rude behavior they are also blasphemous so like taking the lord's name in vain like which is a commandment yeah like they says spitting on a cross showing disrespect to a bible probably like Mm -hmm. showing disrespect to a church showing disrespect to I don't know a leader in the church or uh, i wouldn't say that you don't you don't think so Mm-mm. unless it was jesus himself yeah that's true no we're all men, we're all human when you when you verbally abuse the name of god and and who he is as well as his son you know yeah this is from Merriam webster the crime of insulting or showing contempt or lack of reverence for god it's just like a lack of respect. Mm-hmm. It's a total lack of respect. It's intentionally being disrespectful. He's probably, he could have been mocking God. He could have been mocking the Israelites for following God. This, I mean, this, this, this Egyptian Israelite male yeah. in this case could have been doing any number of those things. Mm-hmm. Maybe he peed on something. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. No, I bet you he was just like, you know, no, I'm not even going to act like I know what he said. No. Nope anyway you can imagine what was said yeah when he was like use your imagination it's a possibility somebody was coming up to him and being like you can't camp here with us you need to get out you're not an actual israelite you can't sit with us yeah because think about the mean and nasty things you think in your head when somebody offends you exactly he probably just said them outwardly to god or about god yep so because these were his people Mm -hmm. which if you ask me if he was born even by one parent as an Israelite, he was an Israelite. Well, like, I don't the, understand the, that. The thing of it is, is that God says in here, you're supposed to treat, treat a sojourner Everybody. or yeah. a stranger or a foreigner that's among you as your own. That's what I'm saying is the Israelite who also like, fought with this guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also should have been reprimanded in some way or some fashion. Although I don't know how the whole thing was started or instigated. Maybe this guy came in with full intentions of being disrespectful and blasphemous yeah and causing an uproar and drama whereas if he were to just simply pitch his tent then it probably it may not have been an issue yeah but who knows so about the lay their hands on his head and during word says this was done in accord with a principle later specifically stated specifically stated in deuteronomy two or three of the witnesses publicly laid hands on the accused as a sure testimony to his guilt this also meant that the guilty man knew his accusers and could not be condemned by secret accusers okay 
So, so it's you, just like so you know who sent you to the death. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that way you know. Says by laying their hands upon his head, they gave public testimony that they heard this person speak such words, and did in their own and all in the people's names desired and demand justice to be executed upon him. I mean, I really feel like if this guy were innocent in any sense, God would not have have sentenced him to death. No. So um, let all the congregation stone him. God commanded execution by stoning for several reasons. First, stones were plentiful. More importantly, it was so that the community community could participate in the execution. This was both a strong warning and a way of saying this man has not only sinned against God, he has also sinned against the community. Can we just talk about stoning for a second? That's a slow and painful death. It sure is. Can you and how long that would take? You better hope somebody smashes you in the head and you pass I, out first. Please, a group of you throw a cinder block <laughs> at your face. At your face. <laughs> like, can you imagine? No. And do you just stand there and take it? Do you curl up in a ball in the like I don't know. Are you running? Are you walking? No, you're tied like, to down a, a you're line. You're like tied to a wall, basically. Are you? Yeah. Well, they did it in a lot of different scenarios. Like if you look at a bunch of different they've emulated it in movies and yeah, TV shows. Because what stuff. I'm picturing is like someone walking down to what's basically like down a road and both sides are lined with people with stones and as they're walking everyone's just literally because you think they would have to do it some that way because they couldn't just do it in mob fashion because if somebody in the back threw a stone it's going to hit somebody in the front that's not supposed to be getting that's what i'm saying like they threw it at like somebody was standing against a wall and like everybody just like threw it at the person that was standing against yeah but you would there would have to be some type of line though because here's the wall okay well here's the people the people that are in the clear back couldn't throw a stone from the clear back without no, you would just kind of assembly line it. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is like it would have to be some type of like. Oh my gosh, no! Ugh. Or they no. stand in a circle. And you think about that and how terrible that is. Now compare that to the freaking crucifixion. Anyway. Okay. I for an eye. I think so. Yes, I for an eye. So the first half of this. Talks about restitution. Mm-hmm. So life for life. If you murder somebody, you you die. If you accidentally murder an animal or murder an animal that's not yours, you replace it. Right? Do you just want to read it? Yeah. Whoever takes a human life surely be... <laughs> right? Yeah. Whoever takes a human life shall surely be put to death. Whoever takes an animal's life shall make it good. Life for life. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done it, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever injury he has given, a person shall be given to him. Whoever kills an animal shall make it good, and whoever kills a person shall be put to death. You shall make the same rule for the sojourner and for the native, for I am the Lord your God. So Moses spoke to the people of Israel, and they brought out of the camp the man who had cursed and stoned him with stones. Thus the people of Israel did as the Lord commanded Moses. Yeah, so in the end of that, we have like the the uh, the stoning, the stoning essentially of, the of this person of this guy. But okay, so the eye for an eye thing. If anyone injures his neighbor as he has done, it shall be done to him. Fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Whatever mm-hmm. injury he has given a person shall be given to him. Mm-hmm. What do you think that means? I think so. After like reading some things and hearing that lecture series, go ahead. You sure? Do I? Remember last night, I was like, I have an initial thought about uh, this. And after my, yeah. like, I understand why it's not like that. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so my initial thought was, I took it literally, you know, like fracture for fracture, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, like whatever was done to me, I will do to you, right? Mm-hmm. But then there was this voice that said, vengeance belongs to God. Mm-hmm. So how can we have this eye for eye, tooth for tooth, fracture for fracture mentality, but vengeance belongs to God? yeah so and jesus said himself turn the other cheek yeah yeah so what i think this was is for is is basically for let me see you know this is not an absolute you know what it did was limit the award quote unquote the award or for lack of a better term i guess i should say someone might be able to get for when they were wrong so okay well you killed one of my goats i can't kill your daughter i can't kill your son the most that i could require in court was for me to obtain one of your animals or for one of your animals to be slaughtered like oh you burn my house down i can't kill your entire family you know what i mean yeah um let's see kind of like the whole like 
an example. I think I heard it from that series I was listening to. He says, you know, if you gouge out one of my eyes, I can gouge out one of your eyes, but I don't have to. I can always choose forgiveness, which is what was highly encouraged and choose Uh forgiveness, you know, and move on. I believe they call this, this is called the law of retribution. The eye for eye, tooth for tooth thing. Yeah. So my study section says it is unlikely that that actually applies to a mutilation as a punishment for another or for the offender. Rather, the value of the injured member will be imposed, would be the imposed fine. So like you break my arm, you pay me money. Mm -hmm. Um, Enduring Word says many people have taken this as a command and said God intended it as a limit. So no man or judge would set judgment merely as they please. Exactly. This law did not mean that the eye of an offender would be literally gouged out of his head if he took the eye of another man. The law of Moses had a system of financial restitution in such cases. For example, if a slave loses an eye, an eye of the one responsible is not to be plucked out, but rather the slave is to be given his freedom as compensation for the Mm -hmm. eye. Um, Human nature is often neither (laughs) often too much are too lenient. Oh my gosh. Human nature is often either much too lenient or far too severe. Mm -hmm. Here, God both required that the crime be punished and that he set the appropriate limit of the punishment. Yeah. So it's kind of like if you, you know, like those cases you see on Judge Judy and stuff all the time, like if there's any type of damage, you want restitution for your losses. You know what I mean? When people sue for what is it? Uh, Pain and suffering. Yeah. Is is what I'm thinking. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, well, you wrecked my car and I broke my leg and I couldn't I'd say I have a job where I'm very physically active and I couldn't work for six weeks. You're going to pay my wages for those six weeks and you're going to pay for my car to be fixed. Yeah. Type of deal. I can't just go out and kill your entire family because you wrecked my car. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's kind yeah. of like it's limit setting. Yeah. Um. And during where it says, Jesus rightly condemned the taking of this command regarding law and order in the community and applying it to personal relationships, where love, forgiveness, and going the extra mile are to be the rule and not equal retribution. It's really hard, though. Kind of goes back to several episodes ago. When you feel like you're wrong, man. See, like when I read this, I was like, You gouge out my eye, I'm gouging out yours, baby. The Bible says I could do it. Mm -hmm. Look, look, look. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, you gouge out my eye. I'm coming for like, yours. Vengeance belongs to God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Forget that, you psycho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I would like to take people to court for emotional trauma. Thank Pain you. and suffering. Mm-hmm. <laughs> anyway. Yes. But yeah, it basically sets limits of what you can and cannot do. It does. So that was the end of 24. That was the end of 24. In the oh my end. gosh, we're here. We made it. An hour and 15 minutes. <laughs> no, it's not an hour 15 minutes. It's like an hour five minutes. Five minutes. Yeah. Ish. It's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. So are we at the favorite verse? We are. Did we agree? I don't remember what you said. I said favorite verse is 2330. And whoever does any work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. One, I guess, 31 also. You should not do any work. It is a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwelling places. Basically reminding us that we have rest in Jesus Christ and your works are not going to be what gets you to heaven. Works do not equal salvation. They sure do not. Praise the Lord for that. Because if... I would be losing. Yeah. Severely. I'm probably going crazy. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Praise God for Jesus. Yes. Amen. And for <laughs> allowing us to live on this side of the cross. Seriously. Not back in these ancient Israelite mm. I wouldn't have eyes. Gouge <laughs> out my eye because. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. So the next episode, we'll be talking about 25 through 27. And that is the end of Leviticus. I cannot believe we're here. We are. That will be up next Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. We hope you've enjoyed the time we spent in God's word and we hope to see you next time. Thanks for listening.